The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. The Power of Water, Earth's Secret, Your Environment, Where You Choose to Be, Your Life, Your Attitude, Everything Within the Environment, and Your Health. It's very exciting because there's so much to learn. And you will be shocked at how much you haven't learned when you begin to come to our classroom each week and listen to the different shows. It's almost like you're in a laboratory being reminded of what is common sense. We've been talking about swine flu. Can you learn how to escape the flu? Can you learn how to run away from the flu. Yes, you can. You can get up in the morning and drink water all day. Make sure it's safe, healthy water. But drinking water every day, you may escape the flu by taking better care of yourself. There's a subject called dehydration. It's not because you ran a temperature over 98. It's because you're dehydrating from the moment you were born until the day we pass. We live on earth and heaven together. And when you pass, you've dehydrated to death. Sadly, that is the simplicity and the common sense. Water is the most important part of your life. Let's join together in this laboratory and listen well to everyone that's taking time away from their very busy lives and to get you to listen to something very common sense, to save the planet. Be concerned about everyone else's health. Take care of your health. You'll be paying it forward for someone else to be healthy. It has become very contagious and vulnerable to be environmentally chic. Be chic. Be with it. Think about the environment, but your health is very much of the ecosystem of the planet. The Sharon Kleiner every week is like a classroom. Learn as much as you can, but if you don't agree with everything or you want to reinforce what you're learning, go study. That's the fun side of this show. Study what we're talking about and learn more. I've said the moment you were born, that you entered in the air, you breathed from a pocket of water, and there was a reason you were in the pocket of water all those months in your, with your mother is because it was nourishing you, getting you ready for the earth. And once you entered into the delivery room, it was like a vacuum cleaner took all the moisture out of your life right then and there. The eyelid opened. The eye is not as exposed to the world as the eyelid is open. Moisture and the air is vital to your everyday living. So because you're up, made up of several millions of cells, doesn't it make sense you've got to drink enough water to detoxify? Learn more. Enjoy. 
let's escape the flu and be healthier on this planet and be a good example to everyone. Learn as much as you can. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing your eyes without the eye drops. In other words, the air is dry. You need to moisturize your eyes every day to be healthier and have a healthier eyesight. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back in a moment with a very exciting guest. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. The Power of Water, Your Life. What is Earth's secret? The Power of Water and Your Life on the Earth. Today we have a very exciting guest, and I was very excited um, when I read more about Dennis Nelson. Dennis Nelson is the founder of Project WET, and he is in Bozeman, Montana. Um, Dennis, are you with us? I am, Sharon. Well, I want to tell you, I was reading about you, and I've got to ask you, um, for many, many years, Dennis, over 30 years I've been studying water, and uh, I decided that no one was taking it serious. So I took a different approach to another side of it and became the founder of Biologic Aqua Research and uh, Biologic Aqua Research and the topical side of we had not understood that the air is so dry and these symptoms that are causing us to have a lot of much more dehydration than ever in history we needed to learn more about. So I decided it was the water and the molecules in the cells that was causing these symptoms that nobody was talking about. Now, you decided to get into being the founder of Project WET and educate the world, and especially I'm very much, Dennis, into children. There is no child that's not perfect to me, and I think that children can educate the world, and I noticed you're reaching out to children, not just uh, young adults, parents, and educators, but you're educating the children of the world. Before we start, tell me about who you are and what start, why you got you got have a mission here too. Well, I'd be happy to share. And it, you know, it's uh, a passion for me, water. And as you have said in, in your introduction, <laughs> are uh, we nerdy or something? Somebody said to me, Sharon, you're, you're, 
It could I'm have been sorry. the same I introduction that I had. I, I uh, have really been passionate about water and education. I have been an educator all my life. And one of the things that I, I noticed as it related to water and its management is that there's so many misperceptions about water, you know, from the scientific side to, you know, how it's used, how it's managed, how it's protected. And how, you know, the, the world is really, uh, you know, fueled by water. So the water we drink, the water that we play in, the water that we use to manufacture things, the water that we use to grow food, it's, it's everything to us, the power of water. Mm-hmm. And so when I was just getting out of college, one of my first jobs in the world was to develop an education program that would tell about water. But in this particular case, it was a serious health problem. Uh, This area had a cancer rate that was higher than others, and the only thing that they could relate to that cancer relate would be environmental factors. And in that particular area, it was an aquifer. And an aquifer is an underground system where you draw your water from. So what I needed to do was to tell people about... Their water came from this sole source, the only source of water that they could get for their drinking, for their, for their municipalities. And I, I saw during that time that telling people and informing and educating them about water was absolutely essential to their life, to, the, you know, to living healthy and to prospering. And that was kind of the, some of the origins of, of Project WET. And you began went, in North, North Dakota? Well, that was actually in uh, South Dakota. South Dakota. But what I what I learned during that that time was that to educate people again about water, and sometimes you know you get into the complex sciences, you you really had to make the complex topic of water and the science and the management understandable to everyone. Now the challenge and, is, um, and I'll mention to the listeners because I've been thirty years in research with this, is what you just said now, Dennis is. The complexity. We became on this planet, we want things to be very complex. In other words, it's got to be so much more than simple. And I found myself that what happened with the water is way back in time, the word patent took away from uh, things that are very life-saving, that are very simple, commodity uh, resources, because if you can't patent it, it didn't, wasn't important anymore to society because it wasn't as important to making money. So all of a sudden, they left behind what was most important to Dennis. I found out I was so surprised. My knees were shaking years ago when I determined I was right, after a lot of research and interviewing, that people left the water behind because it was kind of like the, too common, too, too simple. And they didn't realize that wa- there are no two waters on earth alike. They never come out of the womb of the earth twice the same. And they can be, become so contaminated from whatever, even earth can contaminate it without man contaminating it. So you were right. Now, when you were coming forward learning uh, how, what you would do to become the educator, what did? Where were some of the challenges you ran into before we get into where you're at today? Uh, what did you run into that you had to deal with to get people taking it serious? 
Well, I think one of the big challenges that I that I face, and I think a lot of educators face this, is that we had a uh, a really strong uh, scientific community that, and in the management side of uh, water, that really didn't believe that you know the layperson, the citizens of the world could understand this complex topic. And, and that kind of infuriated me, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I, uh, I have a, a microbiology background, and, and I, I really wanted people to understand that, uh, as you, you said in your introduction, uh, the swine flu, one of the big things is washing your hands. Well, after all these years, we still have to keep telling people, wash yeah, your wash hands. Your Drink plenty of water to stay hydrated. It's the fuel that runs your system. So one of my frustrations, and I think you know, educators will see this uh, ac- across the board, is some of the scientific community, especially in the very technical side, uh, didn't uh, believe that the, the little ones, you know, the, the uh, mom and dads, grandpa and grandmas, could understand some of these water topics. And that was a major challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And... It was also the motor that caused us to become what we are today, one of the leading uh, water education publishers and uh, teaching institutions in the world. And we did you are. Mm-hmm. Take, the t- take the topic of water and make it understandable. Mm-hmm. And out of that, uh, you know, right today we're working in 42 countries. Uh, we do everything that we possibly can to inform, to empower and mm-hmm. to help children. Now, when you're focusing the water education, educate. Dennis, um, and once in a while I'll interrupt because I know when the person's That's listening fine. on the radio, they're going to go real quickly, their heads will move, and all of a sudden they've got a question that I might have thought of. When you're having your project wet, what is your number, let's start number one bullet. What is the number one thing you're educating with, along with everything else, but what's the number one most important thing? Well, the most important thing is water is life. Okay. And then right after that, it is that we can understand water. And to do that, you know, in our model, which is an education model, we have developed education materials, mm-hmm. teaching methods, if you will, that help people to teach topics like water quality mm-hmm. or groundwater or watersheds to young people, and we, and we uh, you know, we've developed about 300 plus science lesson plans on, mm-hmm. you know, all different. Now, when you say water is life, do you remember the National Geographic several years ago that came out saying that water is life and an endangered species? Do you remember ever seeing that? I do. I remember it was one of well, the what it uh, was kind fascinating of the so many people. publications. Yeah, it's so fascinating because people never looked at water as a species? What, do you, what are they thinking here? Well, then when they got into the endangered species of water is life, water is life. And if without the water, there is no life. There's another part of it, Dennis. Without the moisture in the air that you cannot see, you need that moisture in the air. If you can't have that, if there's not enough moisture in the air, there cannot be life either. And, and when you know, I that, was that's studying, a very important point. Uh, yes. It just just to uh, kind of emphasize what you just said is that we we have a, a science activity on the hydrologic cycle or the movement of water, the constant movement okay. of water around the world. It's called an incredible journey, and uh-huh. the incredible journey is going endlessly. And the water in the air, you, sometimes you can't you can't see it. You can't it's see there it. There all the time. It's vital. And you need it. 
You need it for your you personal health. You have to have health. it. It's like uh, Dennis, when I was studying way back, I am a nerd, and uh, it's kind of strange because I don't look it, but I'm as nature as they come. And one way, way back in time, I was studying, well, if it's the water, why did they leave it behind if it's health and, 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 and solving uh, all these horrible diseases uh, that are happening? I don't care if it's an itch on your toe. It's a dehydration effect. So I went back to the beginning of Earth and evaluated this theory that when Earth first had the pounding rains come down, and then all of a sudden they went down, and like you said, the aquifers, they pounded down on the surface, created a surface, pounded down into the middle of Earth. We call them aquifer storages of water hidden beneath the Earth. But when those aquifers would fill up, Dennis, they would all of a sudden the water would begin to surface to what was became a surface of our Earth, our planet. Well, then that then it brought some moisture to with from the air to the the water that was on the surface. Then there became this the the the, the climate change began. The climate began. Um, let's say the moss began and ferns maybe began. Well, nothing would have begun without that moisture, humidity in the air. If we don't have that, Dennis. We're in trouble. And where I found it to be serious was indoor conditions. And we'll leave this behind here, but I'll just mention it. What I found is we were not only taking water, not serious, but we weren't taking the moisture in the air serious at all. And then when they invented during an energy crisis years ago, insulated windows and walls and forced air heating and cooling, we became a desert pit indoors because we don't have enough moisture. And all these symptoms and problems that we're having, anxiety attacks and dehydrated uh, people going blind every five seconds, the horrible symptoms and diseases of dehydration is indoors. But now back to uh, what you were learning about uh, the, the cycle of the water and the hydraulic cycle. Tell us about what you're teaching about the hydraulic cycle. Well, what we... We really wanted to teach in the incredible journey, which is on the movement of water, the endless movement of water, is that this is one of the primary reasons why, uh, and, I, and we know this, and we probably take it for granted, as you said earlier, but the water that we have today is the water that we had at the beginning of time. And the hydrologic right. cycle, this movement of water from the earth now, listeners, to did you hear that? Underground, this all began at the beginning of time, and it's recycling itself. It's kind of like maybe we could vision that, a recycling uh, a water fountain, and it just keeps recycling, and then moisture in the air pulls it out, and you have to replenish. Go on, That's Dennis. Great. And within the, this endless movement and recycling of water, you know, uh, uh, the miracle of this whole thing is that uh, the water we have today is the water we had, again, years and years ago. But millions and millions. Yeah. Millions and millions of years ago, but we have to manage the water properly. And today, Sharon, I, I'm involved in global water issues and how they relate to education. The, one of the leading causes of death in the world is still waterborne diseases. Thank you. After it is. you know all of this time, we still it's right down to a microbe or to a bacteria, and water plays a huge role in all of this. So what we're trying to do, again, is to help children, young adults make decisions related to water, you know, as simple as, you know, stay hydrated. If you can protect the water 
from be- becoming contaminated, you know, do so. If you can conserve water through your own personal action, do this because every drop counts. Every personal decision that you make on the positive side makes a difference. We're going to listen again, to our sponsor, Dennis, and hang on to that one, what you just said. Okay, and let's repeat it when we come back because you definitely have a uh, handle on the world there. And uh, I really want the world to listen to this, and I'm wanting to have you on again because I know it will be impossible for you to tell it all today. We're going to listen to our sponsor from Biologic Aqua Research, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing your eyes because the air is dry. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, Dennis, when we took our moment there, um, you were talking to us about something to me that was an, a very important um, description. Uh, let's repeat that again. Do you remember what that was? I certainly do because it's okay. it's kind of the core of our it is uh, the core. being here at Project Wet. It's you know every drop counts, and that that relates to everyone that uses water. And then from an education side, and we we sincerely believe in children. We believe that every child, no matter where they live, can make a difference. And it doesn't have to be a, a child from an influent family in the United States. It could be, you know, uh, someone from Uganda or from a village in Argentina or, you know, in a slum in uh, Manila in the Philippines. We want to empower children to make a difference, again, through education. And, and Sharon, one of the, uh, the challenges that I said earlier was getting the science so that was understandable. And what we have done is we've, we've developed these science activities and we've published them in education uh, guides that anyone that's interested in teaching about water, uh, from you, Sharon, an expert, to, you know, the mom that's maybe homeschooling uh, their children. And so we have developed these lesson plans in books. And, so, and I'll just say a couple names here just so that Go ahead. Yes, uh, listeners can get some ideas. 
We have an education program called Healthy Water, Healthy People that talks about the relationship of water quality to environmental and human health. Mm -hmm. We have a children's series of books called KIDS, and it's K-I-D-S, Kids in Discovery Series. And what we try to do is to take, again, these complex topics, provide them to either directly to a child or to an educator so that they can have a learning outcome. Mm -hmm. So if you would use one of our activities, for example, on the topic of groundwater, where I told the story earlier about, you know, my experience trying to teach people about the relationship of water to their health, we have an activity called Get the Groundwater Picture. And I guarantee anyone that would now, use that Now, I'm going to ask activity, you, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Have you gone yeah, into I, the YMCAs with their health programs? They have every year constant health. They have a health fair, too. And, Dennis, the YMCAs would love this. So don't forget the YMCAs. They have a national, what's called the health fair. And those children and their families, um, have you gone into the YMCA? You know, Project Wet probably has worked with every organization okay. that can, uh, is involved in water. Uh, what I would uh, say, and I'll be an opportunist here, Sharon, mm-hmm. if you have contacts there at the leadership level, I would be thrilled to be connected with them. But Let's I know that we're working with them. We work in, in uh, nature centers, in community health organizations. We work in you know, business, industry, Now, there's another uh, thought colleges, to add, add to this too, Dennis, because it is so exciting what you're doing, and we'll do another show. But the other one is I'm the founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation to recognize melanoma in time. Now, what that meant to me way back in time, 13 years ago now, is that the air is dry and moisture and they're not drinking enough water. And when birth, you probably don't know this, but there's a theory that's been old world to me, and I'm hoping to change the theory uh, with some research, but when the baby is born, don't give them any water yet because it may fill them up and they may not drink enough milk. Well, the idea was, well, the milk is a lot of water. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute, the milk is sweet. Uh, When they start finally drinking water, are they going to like the blandness of the water or prefer the sweet? So when I was coming along, I found myself worried about melanoma, dry air, not drinking enough water, eating too much sugar. It's a very serious dehydrator. So when I discovered that uh, what has happened here, Dennis, is that the education is beyond all imagination because when you start like you and your foundation wanted to do Project WET um, to get to the children, it's beginning them to finally thinking, drink water, drink water. And then all of a sudden, Dennis, when they learn to look at their shower and their bath, playing in the hose as a little one, can you imagine all over the world, the children, I don't care who you are, what, where you're standing, kids love to play in the water when they're little. Have you ever seen a little toddler run to the puddle? <laughs> I have. And, and I why did they go to the puddle? Because they can splash it and they can feel it, and there's something that can kind of giggle with it. Then we grow with it. And then all of a sudden, here you and I are today, a thousand years later, Dennis, <laughs> Because anybody who's been studying water as long as maybe I have or you and others, we've got to be a 1,000 years old. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we've had a joke with that with some of the doctors I've had on. Now, you need to know that when I decided to do this, Dennis, I brought the surgeons, the scientific field, 
the big pharmaceutical groups and the med groups into the fact, and we became the first product company in the world with a topical 100% water, and it is a trade secret of tissue culture grade to apply. But all of a sudden, they looked at water. Oh, my gosh. Of course, it would have to be water. And then, of course, I'm walking the world saying drinking water is vital to your health. So children all over the world, and what you're educating is that they learn how important it is to drink water and their family from the moment they're born, all the way through their family life, before the food. That, but it's got to be healthy and safe. You're teaching them that you, but you need to protect and make keep safe the the life on this earth. It's because it is always going to be the water. If there's no water and safe water, there's going to be no life, no life at all. It, that that is that is a fact. One of the, again, the challenges, and you brought this up earlier, which is probably one of our biggest success stories, too, is, you know, some of the scientists and the water management groups that, you know, question, can, you know, can the, the layperson, the little one understand these traits also oh, really can. rallied? I've learned they, they can. They really yeah. rallied. And, yes. you know, today, uh, you know, we, we conduct, oh, probably about 1,500 university-type classes, six-hour courses around the world on water education for educators. Mm-hmm. And these educators then in turn go back to their home communities, to their, you know, maybe it's an, uh, a Native American tribe in the USA, mm-hmm. or it's a, uh, you know, a village in Africa. Or it's a and school they use the in the neighborhood in, in um, Oregon. Um, a it, neighborhood it, it, in Oregon, no, exactly. You can go anywhere and everywhere. So what, right. is, what has happened is that, you know, the materials that we developed mm-hmm. have translated into something that's very usable by the technical mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and the layperson, you know, the mom and pop, to do education of their, their children. And really, that it gets us to the point, Sharon, that is probably the heart and soul of our work is once you're educated, once you're empowered, once you understand some of the options that you have for making decisions. We don't make decisions for people. We simply provide information and knowledge to help people make informed decisions. That mm-hmm. decision is completely theirs. But imagine the successes that we would have if people, you know, again, based on knowledge and study and, you know, critical uh, investigation, you know, they, they make I like your word, investigation. That That's what we want people to do. As much. Yes. yes. So, so that, you know, that that's the heart of this. And, you know, today uh, we're just finishing the first part of a project in Africa. And we, we worked with a thousand schools and about a million children. And now, are you doing our, that with the United Nations or is your foundation? We're actually uh, doing that with uh, uh, the U.S. government, but uh-huh. our model is not based on, uh, you know, this outfit from the United States coming in. We have sponsors at the government and local level in the country. So, mm-hmm. for example, in Uganda, we're working with their ministries of education and their ministries of water. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, you know, it almost brings tears to my eyes when I hear the story of Teddy Teterman. She's our Project Wet Coordinator in Uganda, coming out of some of now, the Now, what most, is her name again, you know, Dennis? Teddy, Teddy Teterman. Teddy, Teddy Teterman. Teterman. And Teddy uh, leads Project Wet for us in Uganda. And she came out of us, uh, you know, a very small village in a remote area of Uganda. But she 
worked in their agency uh, that deals with water and its management, and she picked up Project Wet years ago, and she has been going from village to village trying to help people understand, again, this connection. Now I'm going to bring you because I've had the head of, I need to mention I've had the head of the United Nations on and, and NASA, different groups on from around the world, and I know we've been taught as listeners now in our, in our classroom here that, uh, that what happens when you arrive to these locations and they're having to carry the water in all day. Now, in this particular place where Teddy was at and these places she's going, are they having to every day bring the water to their uh, homes, or do they have water resources? In uh, Teddy's area, they're actually carrying water. But, you know, one of the biggest issues that we were working on with them, it was the relationship, again, of, you know, uh, water and sanitary facilities yes. to the students' yes. health. And, and, of course, you know, what what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with UN agencies, with uh, you know uh, relief groups, with businesses, etc., to try to help link education. Because a lot of this is well, you 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 may have a well, you may have a filter system, but how do you sustain that? And mm-hmm. education has to be part of that equation, mm-hmm. because if you have a well, but your your area around the well is all polluted, yeah, oh, yeah. well, you may be drinking polluted water exactly. that's just coming from a fancy pump and a well. Yeah. So, you know, but there's a lot of good news out there, Sharon. And and again, this has also been something that's been a fire for us. I like your word, Project good news. Wet. Okay. Well, there's good. There's a lot of good news because you know there was a time in the United States when our rivers were polluted. Our wetlands were being taken away at, you know, unbelievable pace. Uh, We're we're, we're recognizing that, you know, the well may be dry someday. And through that and through, you know, investment by public and private sector, I really believe we've come a long ways because some of those rivers, you know, like the Cayuga River that burned once Mm -hmm. is now a national park. There's fish in it. People swim in it. And, now, I'm going you know, to ask you something. Time, We're going to change the subject in a second. And, and I don't want to pull you into something that is uncomfortable to you. And the listeners always have to know, I don't talk to my, my guests before the show. We do this. This is all getting to know you uh, on both sides. What do you think of what is happening in, Southern, in California to our crops that are feeding the rest of the world and they cannot get any water? Well, I... I I'm not from California, but I've been there many times, and some of my early work in uh, water education was in the Modesto, uh, California area. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you that it's critical that we make sure that we do everything we possibly can to manage water properly. And that's not just in the Southern California, because Southern California is directly co- connected to the Colorado River. Yes, we do. We've Those had are... the head of the Colorado uh, Forest Service and water shed management, not only in Colorado, uh, but in your Montana, um, in, uh, over in Utah, over in the Arizona and California. Now, uh, what's happening down there, I'm going to bring up my side a little bit, an over, overview, a theory, is that when you start taking water away from uh, the resources of a society, a culture, and there's no more water that had been there for a long time, a long time, and then all of a sudden the devastation to lack of water um, to uh, be able to grow their crops, provide the economy, provide um, 
food on the table, it's going to make expensive food all over the world. If wherever their food was going, the the price of of food is going to go up. But also the devastation of the aquifers below there. Dennis, I had brought this up to heads of different states, water sheds, and they said, Sharon, that's something a lot of people never say or think about is when you are irrigating the crops every season, you're priming the pump for the aquifers below. If you don't have any water there for a period of time, the aquifers below there are not getting, Dennis, a, a absorption of water to replace some of the depletions that are being used up through the years by communities getting water to their cities or whatever. So... Uh, this this uh, over in, in California right now, it is so devastating that in Sharon, our freedom of our society. One of the things that we teach, and, and this is, you know, probably goes across the board, adult and youth education. And, and again, this is the good news side. Now, the things that you just said can be verified through scientific study and, and, and investigation. We can yeah. study, you know, wells. We can study water quality. We can, you know, understand baseline, uh, you know, systems. And because of that, and again, this is good news, we can determine what we need to do. Now, the hard part is we may know what to do, but getting people to do that is a whole nother thing. And again, I think that's where education comes in. And I think informed decision-making is, again, one of the heart of Project WET, is that, you know, we don't tell people how to think, you know, but we, we, we certainly provide scientific information, you know, mm-hmm. good information in an education setting so that they can make decisions. And in, in Southern California, uh, our partner in California is called the Water Education Foundation, and okay. they lead efforts to try to help people understand California's water resources. Mm-hmm. I know that you know the, the groundwater sis, uh, situation in, in California is serious, but you know you can also say from a systems point of view, and in this case, the Colorado watershed, which of course originates up in uh, the Green Lakes, Green River Lakes area of yeah, we've Wyoming. Had them on the show. Goes all the way down to you know the Gulf of California. Mm-hmm. The hard part is how do you get people to work together? Right. And again, I I personally believe, you know, that knowledge empowers and and causes people to again make informed decisions. You know, but you know some of that type of talk that I just said there relates more to water managers. How does this play into the mind of a a first grader or to a fourth grader? Right and. Again, that's that's our challenge. Okay, we only have one more minute, and I hope to gosh I can get you on again uh, because there's so much to learn. But what would you like to say to your listeners worldwide on what your um, goals are with uh, Project Wet? Well, well, first of all, thank you, Sharon, for this opportunity. My my goals would be to have anyone in the world that th- considers themselves an educator to contact the Project Wet Foundation, our website, www.projectwet.org, and they can engage us, and they can become part of a global team to educate children about water. And I would also like to thank the thousands of individuals and government and private sponsors that support our work, uh, because, again, without them, it really makes it difficult for a group like ours. And 
the most important thing is believe in kids, believe oh, that they can make yeah. a difference, and do everything that you Children can. Children are the most brilliant them. life on earth. Brilliant. And they want to and learn. I'd be thrilled and, to be back on with you, Sharon. So well, thank share you. Share a passion here. Thank you. You do, too. And tell everyone I said hello. Okay, I will. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. You now, Dennis was just saying about education, education, education. It is. And they had something written here I don't want to forget before our next guest. It is widely agreed that education is the most effective means that society, which means all life on earth, possesses, which means possesses freedom to think. For confronting means learning the truth and what is not the truth. The challenging means obstacles to solve of the future, life on earth to be for eternity. Indeed, education is, re- is reading and listening what makes all things grow. So remember, what you, when you're learning and you're listening, all things can grow. will shape the world of all the tomorrows to come. And when I say at the end of the show, show leave your footprint, I think that is something to think about. That is something you can do. It's for all generations to grow as what you're offering with you listening to this show. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the natural method of moisturizing the eye because the air is dry for the eyes to be healthy and have a natural moisture replacement. We're going to listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with our next exciting guest. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Our exciting guest is today Gordon Grant. He's a PhD uh, in research as a hydrologist with the USDA Forest Service uh, from Oregon State. Uh, Department of Geosciences, and I'm excited, Gordon, to have you on. Are you with us? I'm with you. Good morning, Sharon. Well, good morning. How are you this morning? Very well. Well, I want to tell you, um, before we start, uh, you probably have heard the world rumors a little bit 
but I chose to get into a different water research for uh, health and life, managed to get it serious and get it out there. And uh, then when I started this show, I decided, uh, Gordon, I I was going to call it the power of water because it has been my study for 30 years in a different direction than you're in, but you're in a mission also. And then today we want to talk about uh, Boundary Springs, which is dear to my heart. Uh, because I came from a family who loves the Rogue River. I'm sitting talking to you from Grants Pass, and out uh, on our campus here is edging on the Rogue River near Grants Pass. And tell me a little bit about how you became a hydrologist, because I find a lot of times our guests uh, did uh, got involved in their uh, professional lives because they had a mission. Well, I didn't exactly start with a mission, um, but I started as a river guide. Oh, you were? And particularly at, on, the Rogue, on the Rogue River, among many others. Uh, Gordon, uh, guess who? My uncle is Bob Pritchett, who passed oh, away. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's yes. great. In fact, I have his picture that was on the front of Sunset Magazine in my office. Uh, he, was, uh, he was one of the, the, the early, uh, he was a guide to the guide. He was the gentleman guy, they called him. He really was. He, by the way, you know, he, did you know he went to Oregon State? I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, Bob went to Oregon State, uh, my mother's brother, and uh, he, was, uh, he had gotten uh, All-State in basketball, baseball, uh, football, and more. But he, started, he played baseball for Oregon State and injured himself. We, I heard he was going to be drafted for pro ball. Um, couldn't heal the injury. Came back and started uh, working with Glenn Woolridge. Mm-hmm. Bought Glenn out, and when he bought Glenn out, uh, he owned the River Guide Service. He painted all of his boats orange and black, Gordon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the world, I mean, Bob would take people like the presidents and the kings and the queens and, and uh, chairmen of corporations, people from all over the world, as you remember, and movie companies down the river, but they were inside of orange and black. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's it. Early early page of Rogue River history, and that was long before guiding and river running was something that. The McKenzie uh, wooden boats, and yep. yeah. Yep, yep, but yep. back to you as a hydrologist. So tell us more. Well, I uh, I spent a lot of time sitting on a boat looking at the <laughs> river and uh, kind of trying oh, how, to fi- oh, yeah. figure out you know why it did what it did. Yeah. And, uh, when you go through that rap- rapid, it's how you get those oars to go down the middle and take that rapid right smooth. It's all how you hydraulically do those orders. Yeah, so I, I had a lot of close encounters with hydraulics. Some of them, some of them less Especially fortunate than others. going into Mule Creek Canyon, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But so I, I uh, found that there, in fact, was a science of rivers. I didn't right. even know the name of it. It's uh, called fluvial geomorphology, which is a mouthful. Oh, would you repeat that one again? Fluvial geomorphology. <laughs> the study of rivers, I'm not even going to try. Rivers, how, rivers, how rivers work, how they change, how they uh-huh. evolve. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it seemed like uh, the river had taken me that far along that maybe it could take me a little bit further. And here mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, it's taken here me you are. a wonderful career. One of the greatest universities and research department. Now, um, when you were, this, now that I know that you were a river guide, when you think of the hydro hydrology, but you think of all those aquifers underneath uh, the valleys of the Rogue. Uh, we have studied the uh, rainforest area of the Kalamopsis all the way through the geological influences of those aquifers. But you have today, you wanted to discuss 
the High Cascades Aquifer and Boundary Springs, which uh, they it ha- is, is it proven that Boundary Springs is really that that mouth of the famous rogue coming from Crater Lake? Well, it. <laughs> It is the mount, it is the beginning of the rogue, the head headwaters of the rogue river, but it actually doesn't come out of Crater Lake, contrary okay. to some. Okay, how um, do we explain it comes from the aquifers? Well, it's the, the Cascade Range of Oregon is a very interesting place, and it's from a geological standpoint, it's extremely young. I mean, you know, Mount St. Helens and all of the major volcanoes have erupted within the last uh, few thousand years. Um, and because it's so young, much of the landscape has not actually been cut down by rivers. It, there just hasn't been enough time. And so what that means is in a place like Oregon, which, as you know, it rains a, bu- uh, uh, rains a bit here in the winter, um, all that water that normally would flow out through uh, surface channels actually ends up going into the ground. And the yeah. volcanic rocks are extremely permeable. You can think of them as a, as a giant uh, rock sponge. They're going to say sponge, right. Yeah. But, and so, you know, we get on order of, you know, two to three feet of rain every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, um, two to three meters of rain a year. We, mm-hmm. we get, you know, we, we can get as much as as uh, eight, nine, ten feet of rain a year. If you picture that much water coming out of the sky and, and going into the ground, it is stored. Not all the water that falls in a given year uh, flows out. So there's a vast subterranean aquifer, a giant groundwater system. Now, I ask you, sure. way back in time, millions of years ago, the up in the uh, and the and the area of the crater lake um, of the uh, the uh, mountains there, uh, the enormous river that was there at one point up near the Klamath area, uh, they became and now and then all of us Mount Mazama had the volcano. Now it is the crater lake, which is the un, unusual, unbelievable wonder of the world. That aquifer body of water that's below there is this is this influencing the uh, boundary springs well this lo- this giant groundwater sponge that i was referring to mm-hmm. is what feeds the spring systems okay. on both sides of the cascade crest so if you go picture that the crest of the cascades is a giant sponge on both sides of it mm-hmm. are these truly remarkable springs and these are uh in, in, in places you see rivers like the Metolius um, emerging literally from under uh, under under, under a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, in other places you see entire cliff sides of water just thundering down, and, mm-hmm. and there are very few places that I know of anywhere that you see this volume of water just emerging as now. When as you say the word anywhere, remember this is World Talk Radio. Um, what, when you say anywhere, are you saying here in Oregon or uh, the, what has been studied around the world? There are other places like this, but they, you, have, you need a certain combination of a there young volcanic... There we go. We got that unique eco-combination. You need a, a young volcanic landscape and you need okay. an enormous source of water like a big ocean, and you have to have the winds blowing in the right direction. And okay, it, there it we go. It turns out that those that combination is not as common as you might think. I've seen this in Iceland, I've seen I've heard of it in uh parts of South America, but it's not a common 
occurrence, and it's present here in the Earth had a magic for a moment. Excuse me? Earth's atmosphere had a magic at that moment. Well, these are magical places for sure. Yes, right. And so anyways, that's where the the source of these big rivers uh, that Mm -hmm. are drained, I mean, this is not just the Rogue. This is the Mackenzie, this is the Willamette, this is the Deschutes, and this is the Upper Sacramento are all fed out of these large uh, groundwater systems. And it's the reason why uh, we have water here in the Northwest in the late summertime. I mean, it hasn't rained here in Oregon for months now. I mean, well, you, you know, know uh, Gordon, I um, often mention to people, and you can maybe explain it, when you hear in Oregon, you can have year-round cricks coming from a mountain that never has snow. That's right. Why is that? Well, for this very reason. I mean, you have, if you, the water doesn't, a lot of people think that the water that they are seeing in rivers like the Rogue or the, the Willamette at, at this time is coming from late season snowmelt, but there's virtually no snow melting and the glaciers contribute right. very little. So where this water is coming from is either from a dam, and there are a number of dams, but also from these deep ground water systems. Yeah, there we go, the aquifer system. The aquifer system. So these are remarkable, uh, some remarkable geological gift, if you will, to, mm-hmm. to this part of the world. We only have a minute left on this, and I'd love to. Ha- I really would like to have you back a time because you've got a background to do a lot of education. Uh, that the world needs to think about. We just had a gentleman, Dennis Nelson, on who heads Project WET around the world, getting people educated to take the water for serious, serious and want to learn more about the education of it. Uh, if it's possible, can we have you back on again and have our program director, Polly Featherton, uh, because this was a, such a short segment. Sure, is no there problem. A way, is there something you'd like to say to people about what you've been learning about the uh, hydrology is and the water that they need to be left with today? Um, just that the water, you know, the water, as, as your program is really emphasizes, the water that sustains us is really, it really is something that should not be taken for granted. Um, and that where you live, the, the, the fundamental geology of where you live has a lot to say about the way water moves through the landscape. And it's a... Water's wonderful to look at, wonderful to play with, wonderful to drink, and also wonderful to learn something about. You have to learn. What, what, it affects your health everywhere you are, everywhere Absolutely. there's life. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Best wishes to Oregon State. Thank you. And uh, you have a nice day, and I hope we can have you on again. Good. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Grant, uh, who's a research hydrologist at Oregon State Geosciences, with uh, I absolutely, um, you so much to learn. Do not take your life for granted. Learn everything you can. Listen well. Study it. Thank gosh for the internet. Earth has a secret. Embrace, brace your life, your life, every precious moment. Earth is whispering. Don't ever say goodbye because you can leave a footprint. Join our show, and I trust you will leave a footprint. I want to thank you for listening, and have a nice day.
Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.